Welcome to Truly Fit, the online fitness marketplace connecting pros and clients through unique fitness business software. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. On today's podcast, I speak with Manny Podlesny about Keto 101. We're going to go down a very vague informational about what keto is. What is the keto diet exactly? Is there a difference between the keto diet and, let's say, a low-carb or paleo diet? What concerns should you have, if any, about being in the state of ketosis? What is the general pushback amongst the health community goers who are not fans of this diet? What are simple tips for those who are struggling to stay on the keto diet? What are some low-carb, keto-friendly snacks or brands that you can potentially use? This is a great conversation for those who are not familiar with the general concepts of being in ketosis and keto. It's not extremely science-based. We're not delving into ketosis beyond the general description. But I do need to have a slight caveat here. Whenever I talk nutrition, I want to make sure that people understand I am not a registered dietitian. I don't give out nutrition-related advice, not certainly for payment. I give tips, but I do not charge for nutrition-related advice because as a National Academy of Sports Medicine personal trainer in my state, that's not what I should be doing, right? So that is the caveat I, I want to pass on here. You know, Mandy also is not a registered dietitian of any sort or a CNS, a certified nutritional specialist of any sort. Those are the people who are typically giving out paid information for dieting. Everybody is giving out paid information now, but those are the people who are supposed to be giving out paid information. Now, with that being said, having anecdotal experiences on diets are important, right? How else do you know how, how a diet works unless you yourself and all of your clients, all of these people who you talk to, right, through hundreds and hundreds of experiences, relay back to you what is going on. That is one of the best ways. Now, again, that's not a mechanistic dieting advice, meaning we're not looking at the body and saying mechanistically what what is going on here in the body that is changing X, Y, and Z, right? That is the scientific-based approach. For that, you need double blinds and you need longitudinal studies, right? Years and years and years of studies. But I've said this once before and I'll say it again. We're going to have a planet, probably Mars, inhabited with humans before we find the perfect diet. Because there is no perfect diet, because all of us are so different and there's so many variables that come into play. And nutrition's always a heated topic because everyone thinks they have the answers for some reason. And I'm here to be honest and say that I don't have all the answers. And I'm not telling anyone to do keto. I don't do keto. I'm, my body is not in a state of ketosis more often than not. If it is, it's accidental. So this is just an informational, right? This is what this podcast is about. I go over topics in and around the fitness and health industry to give people a little bit more information on it, shed a little bit more light on what is going on in the industry. And with no further ado, here is Mandy and our Keto 101 pod. Mandy, thanks for joining the Truly Fit Podcast. Why don't you give the listeners a brief bio of you and who you are and what it is you do? Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Mandy Pod Lesney, and I am a ketogenic low carb coach, but I also keto and burrito uh, because, you know, keto is great and everything. We'll talk about that, but I definitely do all of that. And then I help people really fix their relationships with food and feel super confident because it's not just all about food. Um, so that is pretty much what I do. <laughs> that is cool. And, and, and a much needed profession in, in this day and age. And I know, so do you work uh, virtually and in person? 
Um, I am solely virtual now, but now things that are starting back up and people are more comfortable, definitely moving in the direction of just doing some more in-person stuff as well. But I do think we've all learned a lot about being virtual and whatnot this entire year. So a lot of stuff is done virtual and um, I love it. Yeah, I was um, I actually in, in my book, Fitness Business 101, I sort of like in a, in a very untimely manner in 2019 when it was released, I wrote a lot about how like I hated virtual training and hated doing things virtually. And it was like not the way of the future. And of course, like the yeah. pandemic happens and like now everything's virtual. So I've like, I've learned and I've backtracked. Like you, you need to have at least your toes dipped in the virtual water to maintain not only like a, a fiscal viability of your business, but to mm-hmm. make sure that you have the proper advertising and name for yourself. You can't just run your business your health and fitness business specifically in person anymore. I fully agree. Definitely. I, that was like one of the missing pieces about mine. I'm like, okay, I definitely think I want to do more in-person stuff to have that more high touch experience. But I've been thankful I did start my business online and then totally just blew up on the web. And then now I'm like, okay, I definitely want to transition into that area. And I definitely think both is for, you know, both is required. <laughs> yeah. Nothing replaces the one-on-one client interaction when you're in the space with them, not to get like all woo-woo here, but it's great that we're talking this way virtually, but if you were in the room, there would just be a different dynamic, right? So something with like facial cues and mannerisms and energy, whatever. It's just, I love being what I call like in the lab, working with my clients one-on-one and it's good to have both, but it, one will never replace the other. They are two separate entities. For sure. I agree. So let's hop into it here. We are specifically talking keto in the (laughs) Truly Fit podcast on this episode, sort of a keto 101. And for all of our listeners who aren't that familiar with it, if you were giving a brief description of keto, how would you define a keto diet? I would define a keto diet as eating meats, veggies, and healthy fats. That is the simplest, easiest way to dumb it down for everyone. And I don't mean that you're dumb, but it's just people get very, very um, overwhelmed when they start to research keto because it's one of the top search terms and diets, you know, which I'm grateful for. Um, But people get very confused because then they go on Pinterest or like read other authorities or they get like totally information overload on like how to do it, how many carbs, how many of this. And I'm like, okay, do you want to do the keto diet and get into ketosis? And do you care about all that? Or do you care about seeing results, feeling better and eating well? So I always just say 90% of a keto diet is a meat, a veggie and a healthy fat, simply put. I think that's a great simple way to describe it. Instead of like you said, I help people texting me saying things like, Hey, I had two blueberries yesterday. Am I out of ketosis or something? Right. So it's like they're, <laughs> yes. they're, they're very overwhelmed by being in and out of the state of ketosis, which we'll talk about in a minute, as opposed mm-hmm. to just sort of the macro goal here. You know, what, what is your goal? Is it to be healthier? These are typically the foods you're going to eat to stay on track on this diet. But I, I do want to go right now into ketosis because that, you know, people say, well, why do they call it the keto diet? What does that even mean? Can you describe how the body gets into it or what exactly they mean by being in a state of ketosis? Yeah. So your body gets depleted of all of its glycogen stores, and then it turns over to your, your body starts using your body fat for fuel, and then it starts to produce ketones. And it's, 
we don't as a society get into ketosis, but our bodies are designed to get into ketosis. Because if you think back to feast or famine, caveman days, you know, they had to go longer periods of time to hunt for their food and that food wasn't available. So they had to have a protective measure um, to be able to think clearly, not get eaten by a bear when they haven't been eating for however long. And so our bodies are designed to get into that therapeutic state of ketosis where your mental clarity is very clear, um, your energy is heightened, you're burning your body fat for fuel instead of being a sugar burner. So all of this stuff is super great, obviously from a fat loss perspective, but there's healing properties there as well, which I personally will talk about that have experienced. But most people are like, I want to do the keto diet because they hear burn body fat for fuel. It's a little bit more complicated than that. But that's ultimately what getting into ketosis means, essentially. Yeah, that's a great definition and a description of it. And I think I'm sure we're, we've already hinted at a few different things that are sort of like misnomers in the industry <laughs> about things. And yeah. you know, one, one of them is always like, is it, is it just going to make me lose fat in my stomach? Cause I don't want to lose fat anywhere else. I just want to target my stomach. You're like, Oh yeah, yeah it's, it's not easy. Yeah. That's all you have to yeah. do. I'll, I'll come full circle here, but my favorite podcast is an, is an econ podcast and Russ Roberts is the host of that. And the reason why I love it is because it's an interview format like this, more or less, it's not just a free open conversation, but because he always kind of plays devil's advocate and pushes back a little bit. And that's what I'm going to do here. And I'm going to tell you that there's, of course, in the community of health and fitness, people go, oh, well, there's so many bad things about ketosis. People are just eating mm. mayo, mayo and bacon diets. That can't be good for mm. you. You're still in ketosis. <laughs> or they'll say things like, well, how long can you be in the state of ketosis? Obviously, it's not good for you. People's breath smells if they have, if they have, if they're in ketosis. Oh, Lord. <laughs> can you go over some of these potential issues? Well, I've been in ketosis almost every day for the last four and a half years, and I've never felt better. Now, have I been in nutritional ketosis? There's a difference because there's, let me backtrack actually, because I'm a non traditional, like, there's a whole bunch of different keto coaches that will teach you the mechanics of like how to get in ketosis and biohack your body, blah, blah, blah. Where I'm fundamentally rooted is I want to get my client success. I want to personally feel better, but also, you know, really get them the results that they need and overall health and wellness. So utilizing the keto diet and then using exogenous ketones, which is also another controversial thing um, as well, is what my, the tools that I teach and whatnot, I want to create compliance, not this aggressive, like I have to do the keto diet and suck down all this MCT oil and hack my body. So personally, I've been in ketosis nutritionally, meaning my body produces my own ketones a lot of the time. Cause I do eat 90% a meat, veggie and healthy fat diet. Um, but I like burritos and chicken and waffles on a brunch on occasion. So I utilize drinking pure therapeutic ketones, exogenous ketones to simulate having ketones in my body and get the mental clarity, have my insulin regulated, feel great um, despite what I'm eating. But do I drink exogenous ketones and sell exogenous ketones and promise everybody that they can have pizza and never have to do the keto diet? No, there's definitely, it's a tool and a resource. So we utilize both. Um, so I've personally been in and out of ketosis every single day for the last four and a half years. I've never felt better. Um, I don't have any health problems. There's like a lot of misconceptions that you do need to have a lot of mayo and suck down MCT oil and eat a lot of bacon and stuff like that. Formulation of your diet matters. So that's super important because whether you're doing the keto diet or you're eating a million gummy bears, you could still lose weight eating a million gummy bears, but are you going to feel good? 
you could still feel good. You could still feel poor doing a poorly formulated keto diet and you're eating all bacon and mayo and you're going to feel like crap too. So calories, quality of calories and, you know, formulations all matter too. So that's where the misconception happens. People are like, Oh, well, I got really sick on the keto diet. And well, you got sick on the keto diet for, tell me more about that. Like, what does that mean? What does the diet look like actually? Um, and then, yeah, like formulation and how long and all of that also matters too. So that's, that's all I got. For makes you. Per- that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Think about, think about any other diet that, that is vague, right. That's not a specific, right. If you're, if you're on the cranberry diet and all you eat is cranberries, and yes. cranberry juice, well, then you can't really deviate. Right. But when you have a more vague diet, where it's called something right. and it just, it means a macro f- term, right? There's not specifics. Of course, it's, yeah. everyone's going to vary. But with that being said, I imagine it's not for everyone. And all I mean by that is there could be somebody who feels like eating carbohydrates on a regular basis is better for their lifestyle. Maybe it's that they have a weird schedule or that they are yeah high level athletes and they feel like, Hey, for whatever reason, I feel like I recover better using this or that, but that doesn't mean that, that, like you said, that all ketogenic diets are bad or good. It just right. means there are formulations that work for people anecdotally and scientifically. And it's certainly worth giving a try. If you think that could be something that could work for you. I want to get back to more specifics, but I first want to ask you before I forget, do you use a meter of some sort to measure your levels? Like I know that you can like prick your finger with blood and check your <laughs> level of ketosis. Or are you not that uh, deep into it? No, I have them here actually. Uh, yeah, I do them. I do them. I test a lot. Um, because I drink the, uh, I drink pure therapeutic ketones. So like if you're testing that, it's like, okay, yeah, you have ketones in your system. You already know that you just drank the drink. Right. So like, yes, you are utilizing those ketones. Your body has no idea if you drank them or produced them, you're utilizing them the same. Um, but I want to make sure that I'm accurate. So I do a lot of like 60 hour fasting periods. Um, but I won't test my ketones if I've had ketones like, or drank ketones within that 12 hour period, I always just go like 24 hours just to make sure that I'm producing my own and seeing where I'm personally at. But the big misconception is like, just because you're producing ketones doesn't necessarily mean you're utilizing them well, or you're not fat adapted enough so that you're not really, it takes a long time. It took me six full weeks to actually get into a therapeutic state of ketosis where I was losing losing body fat, building muscle, my mental clarity was up without using any exogenous ketones at all. So people have this, oh my God, it took me two days to get into ketosis. It's like, yeah, you're producing ketones, but you're not fat adapted and utilizing them. It takes a long time. That's why the, there's misconception. And then there's compliance issues because people quit right before they get, really get going, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. If you don't wait long enough for anything and you're saying this isn't working, well, it's not working because you read online that it happens in four days and actually it takes longer than that. And then also all of our bodies are different, right? I think I saw some sort of video with like Rob Wolf or someone and his wife who sat down and they were both in a state of ketosis and they had a, I don't know, like a 700 calorie plate of spaghetti. And then on the hour, every hour after that, we're checking sort of their level of like ketones or ketosis, wherever the marker is. And they were both very yeah. off. They were both very off, right? They wasn't the same because yes, bodies, yes. whether you're fat adapted or not, are going to get in and out of those levels differently because we're all so different. And then we also have different MCT transporters. Um, I forget the scientific name for it. 
it's like a really long, there's transport, there's ketone uptake transporters that basically help you utilize the ketones and everybody's different on that. So like I could blow or blow, uh, I could test my blood levels and, um, have like a 0.5 and that's great for me. Right. But then you could test yours and then you could be at a 0.8. I'm not bad because I'm not in an eight. I'm just good for where I'm at. I don't know how many transporters I have compared to you. So that's probably why that they were having two different readings because their transporters and their adaptions and all of that stuff is um, all different as well. So I think that's another problem with not this diet specifically, but anything that's new is that people don't have a sense of all the nuances. So all they know how to do is compare. So they're going online and they're just comparing like, oh, that person had that number. I have this (laughs) number. Something must be messed up. That person was in ketosis in four weeks. I'm not. And it's week five. Something is messed up when it's like, no, all our bodies are very different. And and there is, there is a trial and error kind of phase to all diets, whether you're doing an elimination diet or ketosis diet or whatever it is you're doing paleo diet. And you have Mm. to be comparing yourself to yourself. I talked about another podcast, why I think it's important to get labs. I get labs every six months, wholesale labs of everything from like, you know, just common like CBC panels to hormone panels to lipid panels, all these different things, liver stuff. But I don't compare it to your numbers. I look back at my numbers when I was 26 and then compare them (laughs) to when I'm 36 and say, yeah, is there any difference here? Because my numbers are specific to me. Yeah. And that's the problem too. Like just there's hundreds of Facebook groups and like everybody, Joe Schmo is interjecting his opinion on how to do it. And then people are taking their advice. Like that's why I actually have transitioned. Like I love teaching and talking and doing the diet and educating on that. Cause that's super important, but I've been really working. Like the meal plan is totally not going to work for you. If you don't have your mindset right around it. And then if you're doing this meal plan and then comparing yourself to Sally, Sarah, and Jill, you're going to be pissed off at yourself. And then I have to come in and like talk to you about why Sarah, Sally, and Jill are completely different physiological responses to the diets that you're doing. So it's just more mindset stuff and, than a lot of like the diets, meat, veggies, healthy fats, move your body, drink some water, drink electrolytes, practice self-care, get good sleep. Like that's what it really is simple, but it's that mindset comparison stuff that sabotages you and doesn't create the compliance. Cause you think there's something wrong with you inherently, or you think that the keto diet or X, Y, Z diet's not working when you haven't done it consistently. And then you're comparing yourself to everyone else. Yeah. It makes sense to fuse those things together, right? You have to put your clients in the right mind space beforehand. As personal trainers, we, you either adapt it or you fail. Like you have to have yeah. a skill set to like convey to your clients. And I just did like a solo podcast about like tempering expectations where, you know, you have these clients who come in with, you know, they're 53 years old, they have 28% body fat and they're 40 pounds overweight. And they're like, I want a six pack. It's like, okay, well, like that's not going <laughs> to happen. Like that's it. it. You could put a hero's effort in, right? It could take you two yeah. years. Maybe you can do it if you're working out every day with me. And if you have a very strict diet, but like, this is unlikely, like you're in the one percenters, if you can make this happen, given your current predicament and situation. So like you have to be upfront and temper expectations. And a lot of that's just a, a mindset thing. And sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes people are working too hard on the diet end, which is yep. hurting them the other way. So what I struggle with clients, and again, you know, there's a caveat here and I'll say it on the front end of the intro, neither of us are like registered dietitians, right? So we're, nope. we're, so we're giving information, but we're also, we're not charging for it live here, right? This podcast doesn't cost any nope. money. So, you know, we're not breaking any rules, but I have clients who I, you know, help with nutrition and some of them can't get the concept through that they don't have enough calories, right? And their goals are to gain muscle and to, and to be bigger, 
and they keep calories because they're like, well, it just doesn't make sense for me. I'm like, well, you're eating, you know, you weigh 215 pounds. You're eating 800 calories a day. We can't build muscle this way. It's not going to work. And it's, it's counterintuitive. And it's a, it's a mindset thing. It's convincing your clients that, Hey, well, first we have to understand that I I'm not only am I doing everything I can to help you, but that a lot of this stuff is counterintuitive, whether you're on the keto diet or you're on a whatever diet you're on and that you have to just follow the path and you can't step on the scale every night. You can't check your ketones. Every, <laughs> you can't check your ketones. Oh, no, yes. You can't lift your shirt up in the mirror and say, I don't see abs. This diet's not working. <laughs> and guess what? Yeah. Your sleep, right? The, the variable of sleep, the variable of mm-hmm. stress, the variable of weather and temperature. I know that sounds woo woo, but it's not because if you're outside, no, it's, more, not. <laughs> it's sunny out and you're getting more vitamin D. And in the winter, we hold on to fat storages more because it's just like a natural inclination for your body to say like, it's cold. I don't want to die. So there's all of these other variables that nobody ever wants to look at. And typically people tend to, I don't want to go on too much of a rant here, but they blame it on <laughs> something like the diet or the trainer when it's always an, right. ex- it's always an externality, right? It's like, I'm like, yeah. how many, you're like, I'm not losing weight. I don't know. We need to change our training up. It's like, well, you work out three hours a week with me. What are you doing in those hours on Saturday night? Right. Oh, you went out. Oh, you had seven cocktails. And you think like that, that's not playing into <laughs> the fact that you didn't stay in ketosis and you think it's, it's, it's <laughs> uh, yeah. so it, yep. So tell me before we get, we'll just, we'll deviate. We'll go off track for a second here. Tell it's me, what, okay. tell me what you do mindset coaching wise, and then we'll get back to ketosis. Um, I really set expectations first and foremost. I love that you talked about that, but yeah, like just really just, okay. The meal plan will not work if you are not willing to do the meal plan. Um, so we need to figure out what's going on there. What are you avoiding? What are you sabotaging? Why are you sabotaging? Like, what are you soothing? Like people self-soothe with food, right? But they also celebrate with food and your brain has no idea if you're self-soothing or if you're celebrating. So breaking that habit is like, has been really powerful for a lot of people creating new habits around the way that they manage their emotions and their emotional eating and stuff like that. And I do a lot of like self-love and I am a little bit on the woo-woo side. So you're totally in the right company there as well. Um, but yeah, just, I do like NLP neuro-linguistics programming, some processes there, but it's not like a one size fits all for everyone. Um, and really just getting to the root of like, cause I think truly self-love is the foundation to everything. If you don't love yourself enough to do the meal plan, if you don't love yourself enough to get your ass out to the gym because it's cold outside, like we get to that, like how can we build tools and um, habits around loving yourself so that you get those confidence and those quick wins. And then I also love that you talked about um, just setting expectations around your sleep and your hydration and self-care and stuff. Cause I talk about the five pillars of health, your nutrition, your sleep, your self-care, your, um, hydration and then movement like are all so important and you can't just cherry pick one or the other like we're so food focused as a society because that's what we're programmed but your self-care like Susie from accounting's pissing you off at work and then you're annoyed so then you're like oh well, I'm gonna just go and buy a pizza and I don't care about my diet because Susie's making me mad well how can we put a boundary around Susie from accounting to help you manage those emotions better so that you're not sabotaging yourself with the food so that's what I do a lot 
Yeah, and it's no easy task because everyone's dealing with no. something and I'm sure all those goals are uh, completely different, right? That some people are struggling at work, some people are struggling with their families, some people are struggling with finances, and some people are struggling with all three. I, um, I, I, I wanted to ask you a question, but then something else came up and I know, I know we're a little all over the place here, but okay. I, if, if I was starting a keto diet today and I had you, it would be easy, right? So let's say finances aren't a problem. I call up Mandy and go, here's a blank check. Tell me what the hell I have to do here. Write it all out. Tell me what I have to do. I have to go to the store. It's, that, that's easy or easier, okay? But what if mm. I'm somebody who doesn't have the finances to work with a coach? What information mm. would you give them if they wanted to start this journey and they knew absolutely nothing more than what they learned in this podcast in the last 15 minutes? Start today and start, because I hate that excuse. Well, I'm going to start on Monday. I'm just going to start when it's better timing. Like, no, like, the five pillars are what you need to focus on every day a little bit better than you were yesterday to build momentum and confidence. So what are you eating specifically every day? The only diet that will work is the one that you will do. So you can, yes, keto is great. Yes, it will get you results quickly. It's a meat, veggies, healthy fat diet. Um, but that's pretty much clean eating in general. So how about most of your meals be a meat and a veggie and then be better than you were yesterday. So focus on your nutrition. Then your hydration, what are you drinking for water? When are you going to sleep? Like, how are you, what's your sleep routine? Are you staring at the lights and their electronics all night? Or are you having a good sleep hygiene? Um, Self-care, again, practicing, you know, boundaries, self-love, like really what are you doing for that aspect as well? Um, how are you managing your stress? Are you even having fun in your life? Like that's a good pillar to explore as well. Um, and then movement, like go get your butt and go move. But if you don't have the ability or finances to like go to buy a gym membership or something like that, you can go for a walk, right? Or you could do squats if you're super busy, like every time that you go pee at per day, go do some squats. But it's not, we overcomplicate or we think that we have to have these gimmicks or like, I have to do the keto diet, I have to do the paleo diet, I have to do cross training, I have to do cardio, I have to do all this. Yes, it all works, but how long or how consistent are you and intense are you that will produce you the results. So there you go. There's the diet plan. It's the mindset stuff that will help you do the diet plan. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And listen, it, 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 it all makes sense. And I, I convey the same things to, to my clients. Yeah. Right? I, uh, however cheesy, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's not going to happen quickly. Mm. It, this, is, this is a lifelong process of you tinkering with things, finding out what works for yourself, not beating yourself up, not weighing yourself every day not having all of these short-term goals override your long-term goals, right? You can have short-term goals along the way, but guess what? You're, yeah. not gonna, you're not gonna meet all of them. That doesn't mean you stop. It doesn't mean you, you miss one short-term goal to lose an inch off your waist in three weeks. It doesn't work. And then you go, this whole thing's not working. You just, you, you stay the path and you tinker with things and, and you figure it out. So let's go talk about specifics now here. I am somebody who wants to start the keto diet. Like I just said, I took all of yeah. Andy's information, five pillars, easy, done, good to go. Give me some snacks and give me, cause that's the problem that people seem to have. It's like, no, I can make, I can make fish and broccoli for dinner. I can yeah. wake up in the morning and have four eggs. I can do these things, but I don't have enough snacks to fill it. What are the snacks that you use to maintain ketosis? Um, I like a lot of beef jerky, actually. Um, I just eat really, really high protein. And that's another misconception. People are like, Oh, protein will turn into glucose and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, for sure. But like, you have to eat like, hundreds of grams of that for actually to happen. So like, stop fearing the protein. And the most of the women that I work with are like, 
um, very deficient in protein. So just being protein heavy will actually prevent you from wanting snacks. Um, but I mean, we all want to have a great, you know, we want to have like an overall health and wellness lifestyle. And sometimes we can't have a full meal. So I do a lot of beef jerky, a lot of nuts, pork rinds are great. Um, I do the keto crate, like snack subscription box, which actually are all keto compliant, um, snacks. So definitely check them out too. Cause it's like a once a month subscription. And it comes with a whole bunch of stuff there. They make, um, like just keto bars in general. Um, keto bars is actually a really great company as well. They have, um, dessert bars that taste delicious and they're pretty high protein and, um, not chocolate tasting. Cause that's like a huge thing. Everyone's like, this is the best bar ever, but usually they're terrible. Um, but it's a high protein, high fat bar that I really like as well. Um, what else do I eat? Mm, I think that's it. Yeah. Like beef jerky and nuts are my biggest ones. Yeah. Same here. And I'm not, uh, you know, full disclosure, I, I don't do a keto diet, but yeah, it's not, it's not for any reason. I eat very, if you were to look in keto. my cabinet, yeah, if you were to look in my cabinet, you would think I was keto in, in so far as I eat, you know, proteins and vegetables yeah. heavy for dinners. Mm -hmm. I always snack on nuts and beef jerky and, and protein bars that are sometimes keto compliant, sometimes a little bit outside of that Avenue with five to seven grams of sugar. And every yeah. morning I'm having omelets and veggies. So I eat keto esque, but I have pizza every single week of my life because my wife is, a, is like, <laughs> yeah. a, she's a red sauce nut. So we either have spaghetti or pizza like once every seven to 10 days. And, and I don't care because I work out twice a day. So I can afford to, to eat those sorts of things, but not everyone can. Right. And that's also another right, right. point that I'm sure you make to your clients is, you know, a lot of the things you eat are sort of needs to be balanced off of how often you're working out. Because I have a lot of people who go, Oh yeah, I'm on the keto diet. It's great. It's like, what are you doing for exercise? They go, Oh, nothing. It's like, okay, well, like, that's not how this works. Like this yes. is a full, this is a full body health and wellness thing that you're integrating in you can't just go down one path. And even if you go down it hard, like they're, these are like keto nuts, but they don't work out. It's like, mm, that's not going to work that way. You stole you're you're not giving your body the machine, all of the things that it needs by, by being, you know, sedentary and, and going through the keto diet. Yeah, I totally agree. I just think I'm not a zealot at all. I mean, I, like I said, I eat chicken and waffles and a burrito on occasion. I mean, it, but it's eating to your goal. And if you're significantly overweight and you have significant body fat to lose, then you should significantly pay attention to what nutrition you're paying attention to or doing, but you can't just be so food focused and then forget that you need to go move your body. But people associate moving your body with like just working at or losing weight, but that's not what it is. Like I had a really tough morning this morning. I was like all over the place, the, the solstice and stuff. Like, I know that's weird, but it was definitely like the energy was like, definitely like getting to me. And I'm like, Oh, what's going on. And then I realized that the energetic pool from the earth was actually like bothering me. And I was like, okay, uh, I can't cancel the gym. So I'm going to go. I feel great now. Like I went and worked out and it wasn't cause I needed to go to the gym. Cause like, I'm trying to build muscle. Yeah, of course. That's part of the reason why I'm my own trainer. But on the other hand, I wanted to go and just get out of my own funk. And like, people don't like realize that there's so much more to working out. It's not just about food. It's gotta be a balance of like food, nutrition or food, movement, sleep, and all the other pillars. So I'm with you. Let's go to the keto flu here. You know, that's something that people have <laughs> talked about a lot. I, I know that oh, with, yeah. with a lot of diets in general or, or big changes, it doesn't matter what the change is. 
when I, I love running, I tried, it's, I'm not going to get into my, my workout routines, but, <laughs> uh, when I go off of running for a little while and I go back to running the first time I run, it's as if somebody filled my lungs with a weird smoke, right? I am wheezing. <laughs> yeah. I am coughing. I can't do it within like three runs. I feel like I'm an Olympian again. Right. So there's a process in which when you're starting something, it's be a little bit more difficult than you think your body is adjusting. And I assume it's just that, is it more than that? And have you experienced that anecdotally or the clients you've worked with? Yeah, it's a combination of everything. It's hard to say what specifically would be, but like for me personally, um, or clients in general, like it's mostly because you lack electrolytes because you're transitioning from a poor diet turning over from being a sugar burner to like now transitioning to a fat burner, which also has a diuretic effect. Plus you're drinking more water and it's now hot outside. And it's just, there's so many things that so you're peeing more, you know, you're sweating more and all of that. You need to replace those electrolytes. People don't think that that's like so crucial, but it actually is not only from just uh, the keto flu perspective, but from a nervous system perspective, I did a podcast with a mineralogist from an electrolyte that I actually use. And he was just saying the nervous system and having those electrolyte profiles is so important to regulate that as well. So it's a whole combination, but the keto flu can definitely be prevented and significantly reduced symptoms wise, um, simply by getting a quality electrolyte. And I'm not talking about a sports drink or, you know, the you know, that kind of stuff it literally says on the bottle, only 1% electrolyte. Does that help in a pinch when you're like, not really feeling the best and you have nothing else in the house for sure. But I would say eat some pink salt or, you know, Redmond salt or pickle juice even before drinking those sugary drinks. And even if they say zero, zero, zero on them, like they're still going to give you a insulin response. If you're not paying attention to what sugar or fake sugar or chemical sugar replacement it is in there as well. And that's a big misconception also. Um, so preventing the keto flu, definitely just get a quality electrolyte. I'm saying like a good one not, not just the sports drink stuff. Yeah. I think there are good ones and I don't want to speak to them because I forget the name exactly, but a lot of the cyclists have powdered electrolytes that are not as fake as one would imagine. And, and they've shown, they've shown that they, they work in the body a little bit better than, you know, your average sugary electrolyte sports drinks. Of course, like you said, read the, read the back. If there's 63 things on <laughs> yes. there that you can't pronounce, it's probably not yes. going to work in their body the same way as, 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 as electrolytes also do. But that's, that's a good reason why the sort of the keto flu happens. And again, like anything else, when you're starting something out and your body is reacting, it's uh, in this case, you're sort of changing fuels for lack of a better term. Yeah. There, there, right. there could be a, a point in which you feel off, but you, like we've talked about time and time again, in this podcast, you have to wait these things out, right? This is, there's no quick fixes here. Get you, this is trial and error and you wait things out. So we talked about some snacks and I think we, you talked about a few brands, but walk me through a full day. Walk me through a full day of, of something that you've recommended your client to eat and timelines or, or even yourself from, from morning until bed. My rule for most people is eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. Um, obviously, yes, we will talk about um, the making sure that you're eating enough and all of that, but that's custom individually, but I do a lot of fasting. Um, and especially for people that have significant, I work with a lot of like very overweight women that, um, just have significant body fat to lose. So fasting and 
stuff like that is very fundamental in my practice personally. Um, and if you have body fat to lose, it's been my experience that let the body fat burn and don't fuel that. And especially when we're doing the keto diet as, as well. Um, so just practicing some intermittent fasting and don't overthink that. Like everyone's like, I can't make it till the 18, blah, blah, blah. Like all those ratios. I'm like, no, we're not throw all that research and all that stuff out. Not saying that that's wrong. Please don't get me wrong. Anybody that's listening, you have to do what works for you, but people, the problem is they get so over confused on like how to do it. Right. It's like, then they don't do anything. Yeah. So what I teach is like, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, um, you know, meat, veggies, healthy fats, you know, really just pick what feels good to you. I personally, I haven't eaten today. It's three 45 yet. I actually worked out fasted. Um, I drank, uh, exogenous ketones and then I have some ribeye thawing that I'm going to throw in the air fryer. Um, and then I'm going to eat some broccoli and then I'll drink a protein shake, like probably later after, um, just to get some more calories in, but it really is just cook a meat in a healthy fat and pair it with some veggies. Like it sounds really boring, but we overthink so many things. And that has been proven time and time again. Like people laugh at me all the time. They're like, that's your tagline, meat, veggies, healthy fats, but it's not, it's that simple. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is that simple. And even if you were doing the diet wrong, you would still see results. (laughs) You still see results. So so that's what I was explaining to somebody. it, it was a, somebody who was connected in the family and they, they contacted me and was tell, or they were telling me what they were eating on their diet. And basically there was like a lot of fruit and I'm like, this isn't like, so your diet's right, yeah. right now. You're like, you're not keto compliant, but compared to how you used to eat, this is like night and day. And this is why you're losing weight. And like, I almost didn't have the heart right. to be like, you think you're on the keto diet. You're not, but you're doing fantastic. Like, it's okay that you're having like an orange and an apple in your smoothie every morning, although it's not keto compliant because you used to have three bowls of cereal. So go for it, right? Like you're, yeah, you're, yeah. Sl- you're slowly transitioning to a healthier lifestyle and that's all that really matters. I, I talk more than usual. I don't really like to talk on these things. So I want to give you sort of, <laughs> oh. the, the, I want to give you the last word before you plug your stuff. Any, any tips that people have if they're struggling what do you have to say, or, or if they're just starting either one, just starting the diet or struggling with it? Yeah, kind of more like I touched on earlier. It's like, just start. And then just how you said, you know, okay, stop with the labels, like keto diet, paleo diet, grapefruit diet. Like it doesn't matter. Like stop trying to fit yourself into like, I'm doing this diet because X, Y, Z person said to do it like this, blah, blah, blah. You don't have a responsibility to X, Y, Z person. You have a responsibility to yourself. So one, you have to figure out what you're going to do and what you're willing to do and make changes that were different than yesterday and then just keep improving. So that's the first kind of mindset thing that like I really just talk about with people. And then also to stop trying to chop down a million trees because you're only going to like, none of them are going to fall down essentially. So what I mean by that is like, stop, you don't take your ax and then chop down a couple of trees. Well, it's going to fall over. Well, you only chopped it at three times. Like (laughs) you need to keep chopping and chopping and chopping and chopping and chopping one tree. So it falls down like, or, you know, stop trying to drive in circles because you're never going to get anywhere. Kind of those analogies. It's just like pick something and try it, but do it with full commitment, not half ass. Have the understanding that there's going to be a little bit of a transition period that you're not going to feel well um, a little bit because you are detoxing from your poor diet, it's not the current clean diet that you're eating. It's going to take your body a little bit of time to adapt to that clean eating diet. 
And then after that, keep going and dialing and editing and recalibrating. The diets are going to work for you. You have to just do them with full commitment. And then my last thing is stop measuring the scale and start measuring your efforts because the scale will produce the results for you if you are fully transparent with yourself and 10 out of 10 best effort that you know how to get after the scale result, right? Because the scale doesn't mean anything, but your efforts mean everything. I'm with you hundred percent there. <laughs> let the audience know. And a lot of the audience is going to be personal trainers. So let them know where they Perfect. can potentially reach out to you. If they have questions, maybe their clients are going through the start of ketosis or want to hop on the keto diet and they have questions or they themselves want to be able to use the parlance and the jargon that ketosis coaches, ketone coaches use, excuse me, keto coaches use so that they can, you know, really talk the talk with their clients that they feel like they're out of the loop and anywhere where they can find you, whether it's social media or direct contact or website. Yeah. So my website's mandyp.com and then you can find and join my Facebook group at keto club with mandy.com. And I'm on Instagram at more with Mandy. Yeah. More Mandy P.com or yeah. More Mandy P. That's it. <laughs> awesome. Well, Mandy, I think down the road, I'm going to steal you again for an hour and we'll talk more about your mindset coaching and, and how that works. But uh, I appreciate you hopping yeah. on this podcast. No, I loved it. It was great. Thank you so much for having me on. And if anybody have any questions or anything at all, please feel free to reach out. I just am truly on a mission to help people, whether, like I said, keto or burrito. Um, it's important to just, we have a lot of work to do in the, in this world with nutrition and diets and stuff. So I commend everybody that's listening and doing the things with their clients. And it's not easy from a business perspective or client perspective. So um, I love it and just keep doing the things. Keep doing the things, people. Thanks again, Mandy. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining us on the Truly Fit Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your listening platform. And feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Social at trulyfit.app. Thanks again.